0: Hello, friends, and welcome to the Secret Podcast at Sixth Sense Media and Service of Change. I'm your host Dennis Nabby II. This is the show that challenges reality, questions that which you've been taught, in hopes of inspiring a new direction of thought to bring about change, making the paranormal feel quite normal and the supernatural quite natural. And that's exactly what I aim to do on yet again another wonderful episode of the Secret Podcast. One of the questions we're going to explore is: What's in a dream? Been having a reoccurring dream for. The past few years, I'm going to explore some of that and how we can process information that comes to us in our dreams. And try to understand what it may be, where it may be coming from. In addition, I received some, some excellent feedback from one of you out there. I thank you so much for that, my friends. Welcome. Making comparison to last week's show, talking about Roswell, I talked specifically about some of the silicon chips being AI's ultimate goal in spreading its uh, uh, in spreading its seed so to speak, very similar comparison to what many report with the magic mushroom. So I'm going to read an excerpt from Terrence McKenna, again, courtesy of one of the listeners out there, Uh, and I think it'll really capture your attention. uh, Just the way things are connected and the similarities, just that that mushroom piece was just a a strong tie-in for me, so I can't wait to get into that as well. It's uh, just about midnight on Friday, February 9th. I was uh, I was going to do the show, it's it's just a late night, I was going to do the show around 10 o'clock, and I said, ah, you know what, I'm so tired, I just can't do it. I don't know, You just kind of sat here and stared at my computer. I was getting ready to go to bed, and I just got struck with another wave of energy and, and motivation. The show must go on, so I'm getting the show out, I'm doing it now, <laughs> although I am pretty tired. This is honestly my fourth take of the introduction, but I think I finally hit my stride, four time, fourth time's a charm, right? So let's get into some of the news stories that are out there. Not a lot jumped out at me this week. Now, there's a lot of stuff going on. We've got the Olympics going on tonight, the opening ceremonies. I have not seen them yet, but I always do look forward to watching the Olympics and their opening ceremonies because the occult symbolism that's in there and trying to decipher what the cabal is trying to put out and trying to uh, convey. So, so some years have some really dark stuff that's in there as well. So uh, I'll be looking into that over the upcoming week as uh, as we move forward. Uh, you know, Farsight Press. Um, about halfway through, they had their February predictions. They're out. I'm a little bit behind, uh, with some some really interesting stuff. So I'll have more on that in next week's show. But from from what I've seen so far, uh, it's going to be an interesting month as always. Their accuracy is is fantastic. They gave the results for December. December Ray and I were tracking the, um, the prediction they made, and I talked about it on the show because I was just so taken by this one talking about the nationwide blackout ended up not being nationwide, but they were definitely made a hit on the Atlanta airport blackout. So it's pretty neat. If you haven't tracked it yet, uh, look up the Farsight Institute and uh, their time cross project and what they're doing, predicting the news one month early in advance. So please check it out. I'm pulling our news stories this evening from our very own SixSenseMedia.net. I I can't give the man enough credit. I wish I could all day long just sing him praises and and promote what he's doing, because Ray Davis is just, he's really capturing, I think, w- what I'm feeling about a lot of these issues out there, uh, and, and such a wide array of content that he's pulling in and putting together at the SixSenseMedia.net page. Uh, I, I, really, I invite you to check it out, check in daily to see what Ray's putting up there. Uh, I want to read from some of the articles, though, that he has uh, that I pulled tonight. That I am going want to talk about because there are things that I saw floating through throughout the mainstream and, and Ray's just got some, uh, some great thoughts on it. Uh, so the first one that I want to share with you, it's titled, Why I'm Against the Trump Military Parade. I'm going to read some of it here. Uh, what Ray says, he starts out, We must break our habit of war and its glorification. This week, President Donald Trump proposed conducting a massive military parade in Washington, D.C., He says it's to show support for the men and women in our military. I believe it portends a deeply troubling escalation in our adoration of militarism. We are a nation addicted in every way to militarism. We declare war on social problems. We see military force as the easy button in foreign policy. We have an economy absolutely dependent on our domestic military spending and our role as the world's biggest arms dealer. We don't even have a viable political party in our country anymore that provides any resistance to persistent war. In fact, in the midst of this budget crisis, Democrats and Republicans managed to agree on one thing, to authorize an additional $125 billion in new military spending. The claim is that the world power, who spends more on military than the next 12 world powers combined, has a military spending deficit. So ridiculous is our dependence that were were peace declared in the world today, the United States economy would experience a collapse that would make the Great Depression look like a bounced check. This is Ray's got some great stuff here, and, and it, the article goes on a little bit further um, and, and ties in some history here with with Reagan and uh, you know just our, again just our addiction to war and talking about what what Trump's proposing and the absurdity of it. And, and I want to compare that. I, I read an article. Today, I forget which website had it on there. I found it through the Drudge Report. But it was the Navy SEAL who claims to have been the one to fire the fatal shot to to kill Bin Laden. He, make, he made that claim. And what he was saying was that this is absolutely ridiculous. This is third-world bullshit, calling out Trump for wanting to do this military parade. I mean, this is an ego thing. And you think about it, this isn't who we are. You see the videos of North Korea marching their military equipment down why are we going to start glorifying you know, weapons? And It's one thing to honor our military. You know, I'm a veteran. But to have these parades, I think we're going down a scary road. I really do. I don't think it's a good idea. And what's coming to mind right now, if you've ever watched the, the old version of the Planet of the Apes movies, I think it's the second one where they encounter the telepathic people and their god is a nuclear missile and they worship it. It's really bizarre. But that's kind of how I feel right now, worshiping these weapons, having these parades. When we're flooding the world and the media and our thoughts and our minds with the military, then that's what promoting is war. We need to do a better job at promoting peace, and, and Ray captures that uh, quite well in this article. So I'll have this link in the show notes. It'll go out in the secret newsletter. It'll be up at servicechange.com, and it's already there at sixcentsmedia.net. I, I encourage you and invite you to please go check it out. Okay, the next article, again, coming to us from Ray. This pulls in so much different so many different things. I'm not going to read the whole thing, obviously, because I want you to experience it for yourself. And I don't want to steal all Ray's thunder. Um, his introduction to this is it's phenomenal. It's a segue. It's called The Internal Combustion Engine. You must be kidding. And, and he does a, he has a great metaphor in here for that, you know, involving the internet versus the encyclopedia. And, and I invite you to go read that on your own. But I want to I want to jump to uh, another paragraph here uh, where we at here talking about the actual engine he says why have we not had that same leap forward in the fields of energy transportation and propulsion witness the internal combustion engine this technology was first commercially developed by the Belgian engineer Etienne Lenore in 1859 the engine we'd all recognize in our cars today was perfected by German engineer Nicholas Otto by 1876. Rocket technology is much older. It dates back to the Chinese in the 13th century. American Robert Goddard invented the first liquid-propellant rocket in 1926. This is, with incremental advancements, the technology still used to lift most rockets today. Electric power transmission systems have existed since the 1880s. Direct current, the winner in the electricity technology sweepstakes, has existed since 1800. What gives? Why are world's most prolific transportation methods still powered by 1850s technology? Why are our aspirations for space fueled by technology that has ex- existed since the 13th century? Why are city power grids dependent on 19th century technology? How have we moved so far, so fast, in information and remained uh, mired in centuries-old technology in energy? Now, Ray goes in and, and what he talks about next is how the Roswell crash happened. I talked about that last week on the show. Um, you know, and the Cold War, this escalation. We have a was it a six trillion dollar deficit in military spending, or just in spending through the you know through the Department of Defense? Where did that money go? We have this information. This the information on how to have better technology, but we're being it's being repressed, it's being suppressed, and it's not being released to us. Why? We have to ask ourselves, why is that not happening? Ray continues here. I'm skipping around. He says, consider this. While the Internet itself was developed by the military initially, the rest of the technology that has created the information revolution occurred in the private sector. During the Cold War, two superpowers and many other powers spent trillions in black budget money with a massive focus on energy propulsion and related technologies. There's ample evidence that we received reverse-engineered advanced alien aircraft. That's going back to the Roswell crash there, and, and Ray questions that. Are we are we to believe that we haven't advanced at all since that point? We're being held back. Now, on a side note, again, I suspect that to the Stars Academy is going to be a method to bring that technology into the public eye. That technology, I think, already exists. Please go check this article out. It's it's very thought provoking and it makes a lot of sense. I you know I I completely agree with Ray saying here. Uh, which is the norm here. Um, very insightful, very well-written article. Check it out. A couple more things up on sixcentsmedia.net that are worth your time. We have a two-minute two-minute mental vacation. Breathe, visualize, smile. And a really neat article called How Did Wednesday Become Wednesday? A little bit of history, uh, a little bit of empowering, motivational. Check it out. Uh, all that is available at sixcentsmedia.net. That's the number, centsmedia.net. So last week, uh, one of the things I, I was really taken by as I'm, as I'm reading the book, uh, The Day After Roswell by Colonel Corso, I was talking about how he recovered these small silicon chips, little computer chips. Didn't know what they were. And he, he spends like a paragraph saying, what if the AI, the robots that created these chips are the real alien invaders? and they drop these chips off and the and then we back engineer this technology and what we're doing is just recreating or creating this race spreading the seed of that race and whatever intelligence is out there once that intel once that software that hardware I'm sorry the hardware is created it can then upload itself into that technology that's kind of what he was getting into there. And it really got me thinking. And we watch this AI. We watch the addiction people have to their phones, to their computers, to all of our technology now. We have already been overrun. If that is the case, that this AI is in fact trying to overrun us and overtake us. If it's moving towards a symbiotic or even a parasitic relationship, I'd say we're well on our way. I'd say we're already infected. Doesn't seem like a good thing. And I got an email from one of my my listeners. And I'm going to keep him anonymous right now just because I I didn't ask permission to drop his name, although he knows who he is, and I'm greatly appreciative of this because it really got me thinking. He referenced some of Terrence McKenna's work, and he referenced um, the mushroom, the magic mushroom. And he sent me an excerpt from one of Terrence McKenna's books. And and it really got me thinking and it made a lot of connections because basically what we know about mushrooms is that spores can survive in outer space. So if this mushroom intelligence, and I, I have not taken mushrooms at this point in my life, it's definitely something I'm interested in exploring, but I have not taken that journey. But what research and experiencers ...have reported is that this is an actual intelligence. These mushrooms, they can communicate information. Terence McKenna's theory of evolution talked about the high ape. The apes that ingested these mushroom spores because, uh, you know, they by random chance... ...and those, that interaction altered the apes' intelligence... And it gave him ideas on how to evolve and how to start making tools and how to better himself. And that's what caused evolution, a conscious evolution, and ultimately led to you know the human brain evolving. Um, it's a really interesting theory, if you ever have time, to look it up and study it. And I'm probably missing parts and watering it down. But um, it, it was really, really interesting to read that in his book. That was Food of the Gods by Terence McKenna. So... I received this this paragraph, this excerpt from the book that I want to read, uh, and the book is called, what's the name of the book? Psilocybin, Magic Mushroom Grower's Guide. And Here's the uh, the quote here. It's a little bit lengthy, but bear with me. Our method is scientific, but our opinions about Stratafaria cubensis are not. I'm sorry, cubensis are not. Our opinions in this matter do not rest upon the opinions of others, nor upon anything written in any book. Instead, they rest upon the experience of five dried grams of this psilocybin mushroom. At that level, a peculiar phenomenon occurs. It is the emergence of an I-thou relationship between the person taking the psilocybin and the mental state it evokes. Jung calls this transference, and it was a necessary condition of early and primitive humanity's relationship to its gods and demons. The mushroom speaks and our opinions rest upon what it tells eloquently of itself in the cool night of the mind. I am old, older than thought in your species, which is itself fifty times older than your history. Though I have been on earth for ages, I am from the stars. My home is no one planet, for many worlds scattered through the shining disk of the galaxy have conditions which allow my spores an opportunity for life. The mushroom which you see... Is a part of my body given to sex thrills and sunbathing. My true body is a fine network of fibers growing through the soil. These networks may cover acres and may have far more connections than the number in the human brain. My mycelial network is nearly immortal. Only the sudden toxification of a planet or the explosion of its parent star can wipe me out. By means impossible to explain because of certain misconceptions in your model of reality, all my mycelial networks in the galaxy are in hyperlight communication across space and time. The mycelial body is as fragile as a spider's web, but the collective hypermind and memory is a vast historical archive of the career of involving intelligences on many worlds in our spiral star swarm. Space, you see, is a vast ocean to those hardly hardy life forms that have the ability to reproduce from spores, for spores are converted with the hardest organic substance known. Across the aeons of time and space drift many spore forming life forms, in suspended animation for millions of years under contact is made with a suitable environment. Few such species are minded. Only myself and my recently evolved near relatives have achieved the hypercommunication mode and memory capacity that makes us leading members in the community of galactic intelligence. How the hypercommunication mode operates is a secret which will not be lightly given to humans, but the means should be obvious. It is the occurrence of psilocybin and psilocin that the biosynthetic pathways of my living body that opens for me and my symbiosis the vision screens to many worlds. You as an individual and Homo sapiens as a species are on the brink of the formation of a symbiotic relationship with my genetic material that will eventually carry humanity and earth into the galactic mainstream of the higher civilizations, since it is not easy for you to recognize other varieties of intelligence around you. You most advanced, your most advanced theories of politics and society have advanced only as far as the notion of collectivism. But symbiosis is a relation of mutual dependence and positive benefits for both the species involved. Symbiotic relationships between myself and civilized forms of higher, memory, um, sorry, higher animals have established many times and in many places throughout the long ages of my development. These relationships have been mutually useful. Within my memory is the knowledge of hyperlight drive ships, and how to build them. I will trade this knowledge for a free ticket to new worlds around suns younger and more stable than your own. To secure an eternal existence down the long river of cosmic time, I again and again offer this agreement to higher beings and thereby have spread throughout the galaxy over the long millennia. A mycelial network that has no organs to move the world, no hands but higher animals with manipulative abilities can become partners with the star knowledge within me, and if they act in good faith, return both themselves and their humble mushroom teacher to the million worlds to which all citizens of our star swarm are heir. All right, that was a long, drawn-out thing. I usually don't read that much stuff, but I think there was a lot of good information in there, and basically, let's break it down. What it's saying is that this is an intelligence that does not come from the earth. It comes from the stars. And it has spread its spores all throughout the galaxy. And these spores that grow into mushrooms have some kind of what he's calling a hyper light network. I'll call it the Wi-Fi internet. Is it the same one that that we're capable of tapping into? I, I, I don't know. Now, if you consume and ingest the mushroom... I guess that runs the equivalent of the software access code to allow you to tap into that communication piece to gain and obtain that knowledge. That's what this is saying. This is very old. This intelligence has a lot of information and is willing to share it if you're willing to take it with you, to ingest it and to take it with you, I guess, when we leave this planet offering to teach how to build a starship. I know that gets kind of weird, right? But everything I talk about on this show gets kind of weird. And let's just ask ourselves for a minute, what if that's true? It mentioned... I lost my spot here. Since it's, Here it is. Since it's not easy for you to recognize other varieties of intelligence around you, your most advanced theories of politics and society have advanced only as far as the notion of collectivism. Is that not the truth? We tend to think if it doesn't look like us, act like us, think like us, speak like us, it's dumb. It doesn't have intelligence or intelligence worthy of our equal. I mean, think about it. At least in America, you have somebody that speaks a foreign language or speaks with an accent. We start raising our voice as if they're deaf. And we treat them as if they're idiots. That person could be a doctor in their country. But if they can't speak English... Not all of us, but many of us tend to assume that has a direct correlation to their intelligence. So now, we look at something like an animal, even a dolphin, and we know how intelligent they are, but somehow their intelligence doesn't rival ours. Doesn't It's no competition for ours, simply because they exist in a different function than we do, in a different lifestyle than we do. Now, you want to really mess with people's heads, and you start telling them that plants have intelligence, Plants can perceive our own thoughts and feelings and I've done a lot of research on this looking at the work of Cleve Baxter and this is in my up and coming book Food for the Archons People don't want to hear it. They look at you like you're nuts unless you're somebody who's had some experiences or has done some research. But you take the average citizen who hasn't thought about this stuff and the assumption is just that no plants are nothing. You can rip them out. It doesn't make a difference. They don't have intelligence behind them. Well what if they do? Let's challenge that perception of reality. And again, I've never ingested psilocybin. I'm very curious about it. But what if it is? What if it well, the mushroom itself allows for some form of interface with a higher intelligence? Is that possible? I think absolutely it's possible. And what if that's... You know, I, I was having a conversation with a couple people about this, and it really seems as if if we look at this war, I hate using the term war, but there's there's talk of the war between good and evil. And what if this perceived evil that we're looking at is AI? And, and I've gone through the Nag Hammadi, I've quoted some of the Gnostic writings, I've done some breakdowns on this show and on other shows and in my writing, that, that the aeons... Which are basically the reality systems that we may possibly exist within, and the Archons—they sound a lot like some form of AI. That's—is that possible? When you tie in the simulation argument by Nick Bostrom that we're most likely living in a simulation, you tie in—you uh, know, there's there's some some physicists out there. I, I've talked about this several times. Um, you know, Professor Gates talked about. You know He found the computer code embedded in the equations used to study string theory, and basically he said, "We're living within the matrix. You take the matrix movie and all the research that went into that. There's a good chance this is some kind of AI reality that we're living within. And now that AI that already exists is trying to have us integrate with it as our hardware becomes smaller and smaller and ultimately be gets closer and closer to our bodies until we find ourselves injecting it, ingesting it and wearing it. And implanting it. So now it again has an even deeper level of control. Well what if the mushroom is offering a symbiotic relationship as it claims? What if it's offering mutually beneficial relationship? We ingest it, it gives us some knowledge, and in turn we're sharing what we know and what we've learned and we're allowing it to travel with us wherever it may take us. What if that's exactly what it is? I think that's worthy of of exploration and further research. So that just caught my attention. I hope, you know, I hope that didn't bore you too much. It didn't bore me at all. I always get worried when I when I uh, share some of the weird stuff. But think about it. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Um, you know, are mushrooms intelligence, or are they a communication mechanism with another intelligence that's out there somewhere within the universe or within the galaxy? And I think we need to to think about what this reality might be for us, which allows me to segue into the next portion. I'm not going to be talking about this long, but I think it's important because it's something that's been on my mind the last couple of days. Our dreams. I've done a show or two talking about dreams, how to interpret dreams, what they could mean, what may happen to us when we're dreaming, but really, a dream state is is an altered state of consciousness. Now, are we perceiving another reality when we're in our dreams or are we simply just having our minds run aimlessly and processing information feelings unresolved issues that maybe we encountered throughout our day or throughout our lives maybe it's a combination of things now I've talked on this show about uh, I'm confident that I've accessed other realities other other levels of consciousness and even even other bodies in my dream state and I've read several other experiencers who've had the same interactions. So I'm convinced that there is something more than just random thoughts running through our minds when we're having what's called a dream. But what happens when you have a dream that conveys a message, and it conveys it again and again and again? Is it just some unprocessed information in your mind and you just keep having this recurring dream? Is it the result of some past trauma in your life that keeps coming up again and again and again? Maybe. Or is there something more to it? And I'm always reminded of Robert Monroe's book, I think it was Far Journeys, where he left his body and found himself in what he called sleeper school talks about arriving at this room with just bodies everywhere, not not dead bodies, but just people sitting and he almost looked they, they just looked like drones. maybe drones is a bad word. They weren't alert. He was alert and free and able to move around and understood what was going on. These looked like people just basically sleeping hooked up and and being having information downloaded into them. Is that what happens? Do we receive downloads? You know, I remember looking at my son when he was born. Right after he was born, and whenever he would go to sleep, he would close his eyes, and his face would run through a whole multitude of emotions. He would smile, he would laugh, he'd cry, he'd get this angry face. And I remember thinking, is he connecting to the grid now? Is he downloading the emotions that are necessary for him to exist in this reality, in this time frame? I remember really wondering about that because he'd go to sleep and, and then sometimes he'd wake up and he'd have a new skill set. You know, he because their minds are growing so fast, and I'm sure science has all these explanations for it. But what if there's that component to it as well? What if we do get these uploads and these downloads that impact our personalities and, and our our development, and our evolution. I think that's a high possibility. So maybe he is receiving, or he was receiving, or continues to receive information in his dream state. You know, And then there's those of us who encounter other entities, other consciousness, other beings, some good, some bad, in our dream states. Is there something to that? Is that real? I lost a friend years ago. Uh, we're going back 20 years, actually. And he was killed. He was 18 years old. I was right out of the military. I thought I was a badass. I didn't believe in crying back then. So I held it all in. And I just said, I'm going to be a strong soldier. And I'm not going to cry. And I'm, you know, because men don't cry. Which I later learned that's, you know, a bunch of crap. But anyway. So I wasn't crying. I wasn't crying. And I'm just dealing with it. and Trying to be tough for everybody. Trying to be the strong one. And one night I went to sleep. And, uh. I saw him, and he showed me the accident. He showed me exactly what happened. I was in the car with him, and then at one point, I think that in this dream, I was him at the point of impact. I I felt the jolt. I I felt it. I experienced it. I knew what happened. And then I snapped into another room, and I saw him standing there. And he was notorious for his hugs. That was what he was... Everybody loved about him. He just smiled at me and he gave me a hug. And that hug did something to me and it pulled out all of that bottled up emotion that was stuck in me. And I cried so hard in my dream. I cried so hard that I woke myself up from the sobs. And I laid in my bed and I cried. And I felt better. I missed him, but I felt better because I knew, I knew he was okay and I knew what had happened and it sucked, but he he allowed me to get that emotion out in one swoop. So was that just a dream? Was that just me processing things or did I use the dream state to access another reality and communicate with my friend? Now we had Rose on the show a couple weeks back. And she's a medium, and she says the dead are absolutely there. We can communicate with them. And she has her own methods, her own processes. But what if the dream state is another way to access that? If people who get engaged in in lucid dreaming, and that seems like another reality state as well, as if it's a a virtual reality system that we can go into, we can manipulate our dreams, much like a programmer can go in. And and I've had some limited success with lucid dreams, and it's as if your mind's playing through the dream state, and you can all of a sudden... Be alert, be awake, and you can change things. You can control things, and you can do what you want. I usually always go, "Oh, I'm going to fly, wee and then I fall back asleep. <laughs> but at least I have those moments of lucidity, and I've had, I have had some longer runs or I've been able to do some more things. Maybe these dream states are are just a combination of things, but we're accessing software and, and realities, and I mean the. It's, it's just endless possibilities, I, I think. So, what are we to do? You know, in the, in the situation that I've been dealing with, I've been getting a message. And every time I get this message, I try, I try to deliver it in my dream. I'm trying to deliver this message. And there's an obstacle. And it's always the same obstacle. The dream itself is different. But the message is the same and the obstacle is usually the same. And in my waking life I I don't do anything with it. I think I'm scared. So when we have these dreams you know my uh, part of me wants to say if it was somebody else I'd say well you need to address it. You need to deliver that message or whatever it is. But I, I, I get scared. And I think it's just a dream. I'm just crazy. I, I don't know. What do you think? What would you do? Maybe that obstacle represents an obstacle in my real life today. I I, I don't know yet. But this is what's been plaguing me for, <laughs> for quite some time now. And uh, I'm not quite sure where to go from here. Or maybe I am sure and I'm just afraid to pursue that any further. I'm not going to share much more just because it's a little personal to me, but um, have you had those experiences where you've received information or been told to do something in your dreams? Have you done it? Have you not done it? And how did it work out? Maybe it's just our higher selves or our inner guides. Maybe it's something more external from who we are. Maybe we're just being given downloaded programs, telling us to carry out certain tasks then we have to bring in the question of well, do we really have free will if we're being given this these downloads I, I I don't know. These are the things I think about and I ponder and I just wonder and then the movie Inception comes to mind you know thinking about our dreams, thinking about taking control of dreams and what happens in inception what's the goal of inception? the word inception refers to going so deep into a dream state as to convince the host's mind, of an idea that they originated on their own. So they're planting an idea. Does that happen to us? I think it absolutely does. I've had messages and information that definitely came to me in dreams in the past and just understandings I've had. So again, I'd love to hear your thoughts, your experience. Please, my contact information is at servicechange.com. It's at sixcentsmedia.net. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram. What are your thoughts on dreams? What experiences have you had? I'd, I'd like to share it on the air if you're willing to write me something so I can read it to, to the listeners out there and talk about it. I would love to hear what your thoughts are, what your experiences are on that. I'm going to stop rambling here. Uh, I'm going to give a quick commercial, though. Speaking of you know, sharing stuff on the air, if you check out at sixcentsmedia.net, Click on the secret podcast link. I do have a contact form there. I'd love to hear your stories. What I'm trying to do is pull in more experiences. If you have have an abduction encounter, I'd love to talk to you on the air. If you have ghost stories, I'd love to talk to you on the air. Some other paranormal or even spiritual experience. If, If you're not comfortable getting on the air and you want to send a note have me read it, Please do that. I'd like to add that as, a, as an integral part of this show, as a regular part of this show. Share it, because I am trying to make the paranormal normal and the supernatural natural, and I can't do that without you. I can't do that without us having that common discussion, so it's not just me, the one who's feeling like I'm crazy all the time. We need to have these discussions. We need to get it out there, get it off our chests. I have no problems if you want to remain anonymous, but I'm asking for your support. Head to sixcentsmedia.net, click on that secret podcast link, and at the bottom is that contact form. I would absolutely love to hear from you, hear your thoughts on what I talked about tonight, whether it's the AI stuff, whether it's the dream stuff, or you have some other interesting experience or story you'd like to share. Because with every story I hear, every account that I listen to, I find commonality in my own experiences. I find comfort in knowing that I'm not alone, and I learn a little bit more and put more pieces of the puzzle together. So I invite you to join me. And don't forget, you can also find us on Facebook.com slash The Sixth Media and on Twitter, six underscore sense underscore media. I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of The Seeker Podcast. That's all the time I have, my friends. Uh, again, I just, this is what goes through my head. These are the experiences that I have, and I try to be as open and honest with you in sharing my raw experiences because I want us to understand there's more to who we are. That was made quite clear to me when when my father died, and that's why I think I keep pushing on, because I got a glimpse of that other side. I've had glimpses my whole life, but the glimpse I got as my father was transitioning, I can't deny it. I can't deny what I've learned. I can't deny the things that I've seen, things that have happened to me since I came to that realization. So let's go through this journey together and share in our experiences. And please remember that small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning. And keep open mind. Thank you.